Back last summer, I got the opportunity to do something that I've always wanted to do ever since I was a little boy. I started taking flying lessons, and I've absolutely loved it. I mean, that has become one of the passions of my life. I, I love it, man. There's nothing like it. And, um, you know, whenever you see God's creation on the ground, that is, uh, that's beautiful, no doubt about it, man. It's, it's amazing what God does um, and what he has done. But when you get the opportunity to see it from the air on a regular basis, um, it's, it's absolutely stunning. I mean, it just blows me away at how beautiful the creation of God really is. And that's, that's what happened to me Friday morning. I was out flying Friday morning. We flew for about an hour and a half. It was uh, sunny and 70, uh, cobalt blue skies. And, man, just had a great time. And I was just thinking the whole time I was up there, Lord, you are big. Isn't he big? See, there's one thing that I never want you to miss, folks. The enemy wants to lie to us, and he wants us to believe that God is not who he used to be, or he can't do what he used to do. Listen to me. My God has not changed. He's still big. He is still able to do whatever needs doing according to his will for our good and his glory. You need to know that. You don't need to forget that. I'm telling you, we still serve a sea-splitting, dead-raising, star-breathing God. It's amazing to just think about how big, how wonderful he truly is. And that's kind of what happened with me um, Friday morning. Just a great time. I had a great time doing that. Always do. But one of the things that you've got to learn first and foremost when you start flying, you've got to learn about the plane you're flying in. You know, you've got to know how all of that operates, why things are there what they do, and when to use them. That's very important. And, and man, I never knew there was so much to learn from all. Oh, my goodness. There's this all kind of stuff that I never even thought about. You know, I was just kind of wanting to jump in the plane and let's go fly it like we're driving a car. And all that's um, completely different. You've got to learn all of these things to make you an effective pilot. And so I started learning about the plane. And it had just all kinds of instruments on the instrument cluster, you know, that you've got to figure out what all this does and how to use it. I actually brought a picture of that this morning. Brother, do you have that? that that's the picture of the, um, of the instrument panel. Now, the one I want, you to, I want to talk to you about mainly today is right down here, you see those two big gauges at the top left-hand corner? All right, there's one under that to the right. Does everybody see that one? I don't know if you can see it from where you're sitting, but it's actually got a picture of a plane in it. Do you see it there? The nose of the plane is pointed straight up, all right? And there's a reason for it. That instrument is called a heading indicator. Now, let me ask you this. What do you think a heading indicator does? Tells direction. Yeah, it, well, it, it actually does what it says. It um, indicates where you're headed. You know, if you want to go in a certain direction and you've, you need to get on the right heading and all of these little tick marks that are going around right there are different headings that you can be on to get to where you need to be. All right. And, and all of that is based upon direction. Somebody said to, to, to uh, know your direction and, and you're right. See that heading indicator, it has to be synced with the compass. Do you see up there in the middle of the windshield? right up at the top, that's a compass, all right? 
Now, once you get in that plane, you get ready to fly, what you've got to do is sync up that heading indicator with what the compass says. On that heading indicator, it's 360 degrees or a complete circle. Straight up or where that plane is pointed, that's due north. All right? You go to 90 degrees, that's due east. You go to 180 degrees and, and you're headed that way, that's due south. You go to 270 degrees, that's due west. And so depending on where you're headed, you've got to get on the right heading. But if that heading indicator is not synced with that compass, then you're going to be just like what Bugs Bunny always said, you'll take a wrong turn at Albuquerque. <laughs> and no, matter, no telling where you'll end up. You've got to get the instrument synced up with the standard. Do you hear me? If you don't, if you don't, it's going to get you pointed in the wrong direction and therefore lead you to the wrong destination. Do you get that? You say, Rosal, what in the world does that have to do with us? What does that mean for us here at Mount Zion? What does that mean for my family? Because that's really where the rubber meets the road. Isn't it? I mean, how does God's word apply to you? How does this message apply to where you are in your life? Well, let me say something to you. God's word is our standard. God's word is our compass. Okay? It tells us exactly where, where we need to go. All right? It's, it's the standard above everything else. And what we've got to do is start making our lives the instruments get synced up with the standard if we're going to get to the right place. Now, this, and, and that, that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about the importance and the power of the Word of God. Amen? How many of y'all believe this morning that God's Word is enough? It's enough. I, I'm, listen, folks. I've placed my trust in what God has said, and He has absolutely changed my life. He's made a difference on the inside that's making a difference on the outside. I've taken God's Word, and I've applied it to my life in several different areas. And let me tell you what I found out. God's Word works when you work it. It works for my marriage. I mean, if I take what God's Word says about marriage, and I apply it to mine, it helps my marriage. God's Word works for my parenting. If I take what God's Word says and I apply it to my parenting, guess what? It works. I've seen that. God's Word works for anything you can possibly think of. It's enough. Do you know God's Word will work for your workplace? Let me tell you this. If you'll do what God's Word says which is to work at your workplace as you're working under the Lord, do you know that'll make a difference in your life? See, when you start working like you're working under Jesus and you're not trying to be a man pleaser and work for a man, but hey, what I'm doing is becoming an act of worship under, under King Jesus, that makes all the difference. Then I'll do my job better. Why? Because I'm working for the King. Do you know whether I'm putting up stop signs or preaching a message or, 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 or listen, whatever I'm doing, I want to make everything I do an act of worship to my king. 
And when you take God's word and apply it to all these different areas, that's exactly what you'll do. It will work if you work it. And when you work it, it becomes worship under the Lord. If you got it, say I got it. <laughs> and so that's the, what I want to talk to you about today. Hebrews chapter number 4. And I want to share with you a very powerful verse. Verse number 12. And I don't know how much further we'll go from Hebrews 4. Um, there are several verses I'm going to give you this morning. I'm not going to ask you to turn to every one of them, but I am going to put them on the screen. And I want you to write them down for yourself. That way you'll know I'm telling you the truth, okay? You can go back and look at them later. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12 says something very plainly. It says, for the word of God is quick and powerful. If you believe it, say amen. Now, what does, what's he talking about when he says the word of God is quick and it's powerful. The word quick there actually means living. All right. It's the same Greek word that's used in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1 where, where the Bible says, And you hath he quickened or made alive who was once dead in trespasses and sins. So when the word is used here in Hebrews 4 and 12, what it's saying is the word of God is alive. What it's saying in Ephesians 2 and 1 uh, pre-Jesus, before we met Christ, before we trusted in Him, we were spiritually dead in our sins. But because of who Christ is and what He's done, He's made us alive. The word quick means alive or living. And so this morning, the first thing that I want to share with you is the living Word of God. Then we're going to see the life-giving Word of God. Then we're going to see the liberating Word of God. Point number one, the living Word of God. What do I mean when I say the Word of God is alive? What, what am I talking about there? Well, there's three words that I want to use for this morning for that. And all of them start with R. That way you'll remember them. The living Word, what I mean by that is God's Word is real. It's real. It has authority over everything else. Now, there's a lot of good books. Do you hear me? I love to read. I enjoy reading. And listen, I encourage you to, to also read. That's a very good thing, very good habit um, to get into. I, I, I love to read, and I love to read um, many different things, many different types of books. One of my favorite books to read are, is, is uh, uh, books on apologetics. I love uh, the teaching of apologetics, the study of apologetics, and I've read several of those. I like them. I love to read different testimonies of, uh, of men and women of God who, who have lived for the Lord. I love to read those. I love to read commentaries. As a pastor, I enjoy that. Um, so there's a lot of different books I like to read, but let me tell you this. The only book that should ever have authority in my life as a believer or in your life as a believer, is the Bible. Let me say that again. The only book that should ever have authority in your life as a believer, and in my life as a believer, is the Bible. This is our compass. There's a lot of good books out there, but none of those books are God-breathed. This is the authoritative Word of God. It has authority in my life. It has authority in your life. You say, Brother, I don't like what God's Word says. Well, you've got a very big problem. Until you can create your own universe, 
You're going to have to come under the standard of the one who has created the universe. And the one who has created the universe has given us his living word. It's real, folks. It's real. It makes all the difference in my life, in your life. It is the history book of the universe. It is. Does the Bible tell us everything? No. Let me tell you what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us ultimately the story of Jesus and that started all the way back in Genesis and we see it through the book of Revelation. All 66 books have a crimson thread running through them. Genesis 3.15, God said that he was going to make a covering for the sin of Adam and Eve. Guess what he did? He killed a lamb. And he, he made them coats of skin. Blood was shed so that their sinfulness might be covered. Can you say amen? And then God says, I'm going to put enmity between Satan and the woman. And the, listen to me now, get this. The seed of the woman will bruise the head of Satan himself. What is all that talking about? That is a foreshadowing of the Lamb of God who would come and take away the sin of the world. In John 1.29, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming uh, down, down the road there. And he looks to his disciples, the ones following John. And he says, behold, look, there he is, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. How many of you know Jesus is the Lamb that takes away our sin? But all of that was promised all the way back in Genesis. When God said, the seed of the woman will bruise the head of Satan. Let me tell you when Jesus bruised the head of Satan. He bruised the head of Satan when he stepped out of that tomb on Easter morning. He stepped right on the head of the enemy. Now, sin, death, hell, and the grave have no power over those who trust in Jesus. But all of that began all the way back in the book of Genesis. Jesus is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Amen? That's the story the Bible gives. Amen. Don't miss that. If you miss that, you've missed it all. We've got to see that as we're, as, as we're studying, as we're preaching as, as we're doing whatever we're doing in ministry. It's all about Jesus. We've got to make much of Jesus. That's the most important thing. We've got to keep lifting him up. God's word is real. He, uh, pro, look with me, if you will. Proverbs 30 and 5. Brother, put that on the screen for me this morning. Proverbs chapter number 30, verse number 5. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. How do you believe that? God's word is absolutely pure and perfect. Dr. Adrian Rogers says something about the word of God that I love. He said, you can't have words without thoughts. No more than you can have mathematics without numbers. That's good. Now, the point he is making when he said that is that the thoughts of God is given to us in the Word of God. <laughs> Did you hear me? 
The thought of God is given to you and to I in the Word of God. I'm talking about the God who did create the heavens and earth by His spoken Word. I'm talking about the God we read about on the pages of Scripture that did all of these amazing, wonderful, miraculous things. His thoughts is given to us in His Word. It's impossible to separate the Word of God from the character of God. It's impossible. You find out who God is from His Word. You find out who we are from His Word. You find out how much He loves us from His Word. You find out what He's done for us in the person of His Son through His Word. You find out about creation from His Word. You find out about daily life from His Word. You find out about eternity from His Word. I'm telling you, God's Word is enough. Sometimes we put too much stock in other things. Let me tell you what my heart and goal is. For everything we do here at Mount Zion Baptist Church, my goal as your pastor is for everything we do to find its foundation in the Word of God. Everything. Every class we teach, every message we preach, every prayer we pray, everything must find its foundation in God's Word because God's Word, thank you, brother, is enough. Are you getting me? We, we've got to get a hold of that. God's Word has been proven over and over and over and over again. It's been scientifically proven over and over and over again. It's been archaeologically proven well, the, the leading archaeologist at Oxford University said, I think it was last year, last November, it was when I heard the quote, maybe it was said before then, but he said that the Bible has never been disproven by archaeology. I'm talking about this is the leading authority on archaeological research. To say that the Bible has never been disproven by archaeology is absolutely amazing. Think about all the things that have been dug up in this world, that have been studied in this world, and none of it has, has disproven the validity of Scripture. None of it. Now, that doesn't mean archaeology has proven all of the Bible. Why? Because we're still digging. <laughs> we're still digging. We're still finding new things. Matter of fact, just the other day, I read from the Creation Institute about a man, I think it was back in 2011, discovered the ruins of Sodom and Gomorrah. And for a long time, people argued that a city that big would be evident in archaeological ruins if it were really there. And so all these skeptics kept saying, well, there you go, the Bible missed it. There's no Sodom and Gomorrah like it promised. And then they started digging. They just had to dig a little deeper. Why? Because God rained down fire from heaven and destroyed the place. That's why. Just like the Word of God said. Guess what they found in the ruins? They found in the ruins where the sand itself had been baked into glass 
And they said that it would have took temperatures of over 30,000 degrees for over 20 minutes for that to have been done. Now this happened in a place right where the Bible said Sodom and Gomorrah was where there were no volcanic activity anywhere. So how can we say uh, or how, how, what can we deduce from all of that? Well, we can actually reason in our minds and logically figure out God told the truth. He did just exactly what he said. And that happens over and over and over again. The Bible has authority. You don't have to in any way explain, nor should you ask forgiveness for believing in the Word of God. You don't have to be ashamed of that. Stand on the Word of God. Love the Word of God. Live by the Word of God. It makes all the difference. Brother, do you have those, that list? That, did you put those in? Do you have that list of scriptures that I gave you? Um, if you could, let's, let's go down the list of those. And I'm going to read these really fast, so you just hang with me. Go ahead, brother. Start right there. Um, this is uh, Mark 7. And verse number 13, making the word of God of effect through your tradition which you have delivered and many such things do you. Let's go to the next one. Notice the, the, the common theme in all of these verses, Luke 5, 1 through 39. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him, watch this now, to hear what? The word of God. He stood by the lake of Genesaret. Let's go to the next place. And this comes from um, Acts chapter number 4. And verse number 31, And when they had prayed, and the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake what? The Word of God with boldness. Let's go to another place. Acts 12, verse number 24, But the Word of God grew and did what? Let's go to the next place. Watch this. I love this one. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 17, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. Let's go to the next place. Watch this one. This is good. Colossians 1 and verse number 25. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to do what? Let me tell you something. Jesus, apostles, the Bible, over and over and over again calls this the Word of God. Let me tell you why. Because it is. Because it is. People say, Brother, can you really believe that? Can you really believe that Jonah spent three days in the belly of a fish? Yes, sir, I believe it. Every word of it. Every word of it. Let me tell you the, the main reason why I believe it. Jesus made reference to it. You say, Brother, big deal. What's that matter? Jesus is also the one who went to the grave being killed on a cross and rose up again three days later and spent 40 days with his disciples after that. Teaching and preaching, being seen to multitudes of people. This same Jesus. 
I don't know if I'm just like this. Maybe I'm crazy. But if somebody goes to the grave after saying he was going to the grave and after saying he would rise again, he rose up the third day and he conquered the grave after being killed brutally and executed on the cross, all being done just like he said it was going to happen, I just tend to believe him. And if he says Jonah took place, I believe him. Why? Because God's word's real. Amen? Let me give you something else. Listen to me. God's word is relevant. It's relevant. Now, I know a lot of people think, well, brothers, are you just backwooded and old-fashioned? And a lot of the things that we read about on the pages of Scripture is just out, outdated and over. No, no, no. No, no, no. There's nothing new under the sun. There's a lot of things that are being repackaged today as new things, but it's not new. It's the same old humanism and materialism that's been repackaged to make it more palatable to you and to me in the day in which we live. Not new. And God has an answer in his word for all that. It's relevant for my life, and it's relevant for your life. Just do what it says. God, again, God's word works if we work it. Second Timothy chapter number 3, verse number 16. Brother, if you will, please put that on the screen for me. Look at the relevance of the word of God in your personal life as you apply it. Watch what it says. Second Timothy three sixteen. Very important verse. Look what it says. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. When it says all, what's it mean? Every bit of it. The parts you like and the parts you don't like. Hey, you know what? The parts you understand and the parts you don't understand. Let, let me tell you this. I know, I know, we all think ourselves to be pretty sharp and smart from time to time. But the truth is, you're going to find real quick there's a lot you don't understand. Matter of fact, the deeper you go, the deeper it's going to get. <laughs> it's mind-blowing. It's amazing. A.W. Tozer said it like this. The word of God is shallow enough for the kiddies to play in, but deep enough for the greatest minds in our world to drown in. He's right. That's God's word. Why is it so deep? Why is it so wonderful? Why is it so powerful? Because the word is the thoughts of God himself. And the thoughts of God himself, as it is expressed in his word, cannot be separated from his character. Wow. It's relevant for you. For what? It's profitable for doctrine. Doctrine is you knowing what you believe. You know you need to know what you believe and why you believe it. Why, why do we have, you know, teaching on the word of God? Because and, and, I want you to know why, why you believe what you believe. See, it's all well and good that mama believed it. And uncle so-and-so believed it. And brother so-and-so believes it. And, and, and your papa, who was a great man of God, it's good he believed it. But what about you? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Is it real to you? You need to know what you believe and why you believe it. Amen? That's doctrine. Then he says for reproof. To reprove somebody, you tell them what, you, what they're doing wrong. 
right? You're, you're, you're telling them what they've done wrong, and the Bible does that to me all the time. I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters. Y'all think, brothers, we're just going to come out here, and boy, he's just going to lay it on us, and you think I'm always pointing fingers at you? Let me tell you something. Please don't misunderstand this. Every time I prepare a message, the last thing I do before I come out here and share with you is get correction in my own life from the Word of God I've just studied. A lot of times I just say, Lord, how, do you, how am I going to preach this? Lord, if I'm real with you, you know what I've done, what I hadn't done. You know my laziness. You know my complacency. You know everything about me. How am I going to go out and share this? Forgive me of my sin and by your grace help me. That's what I say. It's not that I'm in any way trying to point fingers. I'm like the man that went out rabbit hunting. He went out rabbit hunting and a rabbit went down in a hole and he was really needing some rabbit meat so he stuck his old 12 gauge right down the hole and pulled the trigger. Let me tell you something. If the rabbit got hit, it was meant for him to be there. That's all I'm doing. I'm pulling the trigger. Now if it hits you and touches your heart and God uses it to bless you, to convict you or to comfort you, then act accordingly. Apply that truth to your life. As I apply it to my life. And we'll all grow together in Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? It's reproof and correction. Tells us what's wrong. But it also tells us how to do right. God's word never tells you a problem without giving you the answer. He'll, the word of God will correct you. Absolutely. We all need it. But then he'll instruct you. And he'll say, okay, this is how you're supposed to do it. Instruction in what? Righteousness. Because we want to live righteous lives pleasing unto the Lord. I want to live a life that Jesus is pleased with. Let me tell you why. Because he shed his blood for me. He died for me. Let me tell you why I'm in church today. Let me tell you why. You said, brother, you're here because we pay you. No. No, no. No, I'm glad you pay me. But you really don't pay me. Do you know that? You pay God and God pays me. That's really how that works. And I'm thankful for it. You, you, hey, listen, the Lord has used you to bless my life, and I'm thankful for you. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm not trying in any way to, to say anything toward anybody. I'm just telling you, listen to me. Listen to me. I'm here today, not because I'm getting paid, not because I'm the pastor. I'm here today because Jesus died for me. I want to worship him. I want to know him. I mean, when you've got a man who's not done anything wrong, completely innocent, and he's hanging on a cross and looks down at the men who just put spikes through his wrist and spikes through his feet and just beat him with a cat of nine tails and forced a crown on his head and spit on him and beat him with their hands, slapping him in the mouth. When you've got a man who just had all that happen to him but had the capability, the ability to rain down fire from heaven on them at that moment, when you've got a man like that hanging on the cross and he looks down at the men who just drove the spike and ridiculed him and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I've got to know more about that. That's worthy of some worship. That's life-changing. How is that possible? God coming in the flesh to do for men what men can't do. 
And again, he proved it three days later by rising from the grave. I've got to worship him. The Bible is real and it's relevant. Let me tell you something else. It's ready. It's ready. What do I mean? You say, brother, what do you mean it's ready? It's ready right now to do the work that you need done in your life. There's people right here today who's not yet been born again. You know, you believe there is a God, but you don't know him. You don't. You come to church, but coming to church and sitting in a building no more makes you a Christian than being in a garage makes you a car. Coming to a church service like this, sitting in this building, no more makes you a Christian than being in a garden makes you a tomato. It doesn't. There's more than just knowing about God, having that head knowledge that there is a God. There's more to it. Do you know, have you trusted in the fact that Jesus, the Son of God and God the Son, died for your sin at the cross? Have you trusted in Him? Do you know Him? Do you follow him? Do you serve him? Because if you really know him, you'll want to follow him and serve him. To know him is to love him, and to love him is to serve him. I'm telling you. Do you know him? Don't trust in dead religion. Do you know him? Do you know him? It's ready right now to do what's needed in your life. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. <laughs> Isn't that good? Yes. Listen to me, folks. The word of God is enough. You say, brother, I've already been saved. Well, awesome, fantastic, wonderful, wonderful. Listen to me. Listen to me. Maybe you need to start applying some of this truth of the word of God to these different areas of your life where you're struggling. You say, brother, I, I, I tell you what, man, I'm, I'm struggling with, with my workplace. Okay, take that word of God that you know and apply it to that, to that certain area in your life. You say, brother, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling in my marriage. Okay, you take the word of God, what it says about it, and you apply it to that marital relationship. Husband, you start loving that wife just like Christ loved the church. And wives, you start being submissive to that godly man who's in your home. And when you do that and you get in proper alignment, where, listen, it's Jesus at the top and that man comes under Jesus, under the authority and lordship of Christ. And then the wife, listen, comes under her husband in submissiveness, teaching their children what it means to be godly. Oh, there's power in that. But you've got to apply that word to your life. Makes all the difference. Let me tell you what you do. Apply the word of God to your finances. You say, you mean, Brother Israel? The word of God says something. Absolutely it says something. The Bible says that if a man don't work, he don't what? He don't eat. Guess, what? Guess how you live high on the hog? Go to work. Go to work. That's how you do it. And you live in the greatest country in the history of the world. There is opportunity everywhere. Just like fruit hanging off the vine. Go out there and get it. Go to work. Consider the ant, the book of Proverbs says. 
He builds his home and prepares for the winter. How? Working. You'll see him out there, man. He's doing it right now. The Bible says all kind of things about your finances. Let me give you a foolproof financial plan for your life. Let me tell you what you need to do. You need to give. And it'll be given unto you. Pressed down. Shaken together. And running over. Jesus said that. The book of Malachi says that if you will bring your tithe into the storehouse, Lord said, test me in this. See if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing you can't even stand. Apply that to your finances. Apply the word of God to every area of your life. What about friendships? Brothers, I'm having a hard time making friends. You know what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs? That if a man wants friends, he's got to show himself friendly. You know what else it says? It says that you are to do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Jesus said that. If you want friends, treat people right. If you want respect, give respect. If you want love, give love. Now, it's not going to work in every case. But as much as possible, as much as lies in you, live at peace with all men. Some of them I can't live at peace with. I've tried. I don't know what else to do. I'm going to keep trying. But some of them I just can't live at peace with. But I'm going to do as much as I can to do that. And I'm going to try to be their friend. Are you getting what I'm saying? See how it's relevant. It's ready. It's real. It fits the life we have. Why do you think it fits the life we have? Because the creator of life wrote it. It just makes sense that if you want people to treat you right, you ought to treat them right. That just makes sense, don't it? It just makes sense that thou shalt not murder. Don't that just make sense? I mean, listen, there, there's nothing in me that wants to cause the heartache and the pain of taking a human life to the person I'm taking it from or to their family. I, that just makes, I don't want to do that. I don't want to murder someone. The Bible says not to because guess what? It's truth. That's how we were created. That's that moral, we're going to talk about that tonight. That's that moral standard within all of us that is outlined straight in God's Word. It's amazing. Take the Word of God. Work it. And see if it won't work for you. What do you need this morning? Are you lost and need to be saved? Are you? Man, I'm telling you, I've got some good news for you. The same Jesus who saved me can and will save you. Do you know it? Oh, he's ready to do for you what's needed. Do you know that you need to be born again? Won't you come this morning? I'll share with you what that means. Hey, listen, are you struggling in these areas in your life, whatever it might be? Won't you come this morning? Talk to the Lord about it. Make a fresh commitment and say, Lord, I'm not just going to be a hearer of the word anymore. I'm going to be a doer. The book of James says the man that hears the word and don't do it he fools his own self. 
He's like a man who looks into the mirror, sees the problem, but don't fix the problem. I look in the mirror every morning. How about you? That's usually one of the first things I do as I walk through my bathroom. I'll look in the mirror in the morning to see the catastrophe that's happened the night before. See what needs to be fixed. And there's usually a lot that needs fixing. Hair all over the place. Am I right? Yeah. Got to fix that. Got to fix that if we're going to look right. If we're going to be right. So what do I do? I take what I see in that mirror and I start applying that truth to what's needed. Are you getting me? That's what James is talking about. Maybe you will say, Lord, I'm ready to start making application. Help me. Help me to apply it to my marriage. Help me to apply it to my parenting. Help me to apply it to my workplace. Help me to apply it to my friendships. Help me to apply it to my giving. Help me, Lord, to do what I know you said do. Is that you? If so, these altars are open. Everybody stand together, please.